everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, today I was speaking with Courtney Hurd, a.k.a. Godless Mom. You can find her on Twitter under that handle, she, or also on YouTube. And she also has a podcast called Common Heathens, which she does with Mr. Oz Atheist. Um, and you also are blogging and you're working on a book now, right? Yes, I am. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. And so if, I know most people probably know a bit about your background, but if you can just give a little bit of your background and we can just take it from there. Sure. Yeah. I just mostly just write about um, atheism and stuff that kind of loosely relate to that. But I am an atheist. I've been an atheist for life. So I didn't deconvert from any kind of religion or anything like that, which is, I think, why I am so into this is because it's so fascinating to me like how people believe this stuff and how they get out of it and how it affects them and all of that stuff because i've never experienced it but yeah that's basically me in a nutshell okay um like i know you're out on the west coast mm-hmm. and you used to be in the like lower mainland or like greater vancouver and then now yeah. you're in the interior in a small town yes okay i lived in vancouver for a while and i was also actually in the same town you were in back in 86 on a it was a high school student exchange. So I kind of experienced mm-hmm. both. Yeah. And Vancouver has its fair share of Jesus freaks for a lack of a better term. <laughs> and I found the interior was like a little bit more, not even so much people standing on the street corner and, you know, yelling things at you, but more structured with like church was more central to the communities. Uh, did you mm-hmm. find that or like, do you like, what did you notice? Well, I mean, it's weird because when I first moved here, I noticed that there was a lot of churches, like a lot for the amount of people in this town. There are a lot of churches and I would get Jehovah's Witnesses to my house. I still do every week. I know them all. They know me (laughs) and they're just trying so hard to win my soul. But um, they I would so I kind of kept my stamp I kept the blog a secret I kept everything a secret and when I met people I wouldn't tell them but slowly people started to like discover it because I didn't like go out of my way to hide it on social media so when we became friends on Facebook and stuff they started to figure it out and what I realized is that like every single person I've met here is not religious at all and they love my blog (laughs) like they all read it now and So I think there was a time when it was super religious and you can definitely get that feeling from driving through the town because there's so many churches, but it's not at all. And I think it's like, I think the older generations are, but you know, they, they're not the people that I'm hanging out with, you know, and mostly hanging out with other families with kids and stuff like that. And they're not at all religious. Okay. It's really weird. It's not what I expected. <laughs> like, like for me, like I was like, well, I grew up in Montreal and I mean, Quebec has, it's probably, I think one of the most non-religious provinces, but you know, everything's named after a saint. Everything's, you know, mm-hmm. it was a predominantly Catholic. There's churches everywhere, mm-hmm. but there wasn't that much religion really per se. But then the last yeah. few years I was living up North and Okay, I'm going to be generalizing here so people don't freak out. Inuit were superstitious to some extent, like, and more, you know, mm-hmm. like everything was a little superstitious. You know, the, the Northern Lights were demons coming down to eat you and things like that. But then when the Lutherans and 
especially the Monrovians came in with the missionaries, they found them right to convert them because they were so superstitious, they believed. So the town I was living in, 2,500 people, three churches, they were building a fourth. Wow. And even the government meetings, like the, it's the, they call it a Christmas party. They didn't even call it a holiday party. Like, didn't, you know, like, and I have no problem with that. But, you know, it start off with a prayer and it's like, okay, I get you're religious and I don't really have a problem with people praying, but let's not bring that into a, a government thing. Like, I don't, I don't care about a yeah, Christmas party, yeah. but holding a prayer, then I find that a little much, but whatever. Like, like I said, I found that the small town thing was, they were really religious, but maybe it was because, like I said, because it was the Inuit. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, there's other towns in this area that are very religious. I think that where I live, which is Summerland, it's different because it's like, there's a lot of um, transplants from major cities here. So there's a lot of people who are from like Toronto. There's a lot of people from Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and there's not a whole lot of people who grew up here who are still living here. Cause a lot of the people who grow up here just want to get out of the small town. Right. Yeah. But then people who grow up in the city want to get to the small town. So there's just a lot of transplants and it's a very open-minded community. And I was actually quite surprised. I thought for sure that it would be different. I thought it would be really religious. I thought people would be super offended by my blog and stuff like that. Nobody cares. Like nobody yeah. cares. And they actually read it. And we like we have because um, in like in this area, we have a, a crisis with um, health workers. So we don't have enough doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so we have a lot of doctors and nurses from other parts of the world. And like some of my friends are British who are doctors. Like I, have, I know a bunch of British doctors and and, you know, they're all atheists. And they, they and when they found out about my blog, I remember exactly that day he said to me, no, that makes you way cooler. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just a really open-minded community. And um, it just makes living in the small town even better. Well, that's cool. I mean, okay. I Like I said, I was there in 86. And yeah, I know it's changed a lot because I lived in Vancouver from 95 to uh, like January of 2001. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd go back to the Okanagan in that time and it had been a huge change in the in like the since the 80s but yeah in the family i was staying with you know church every sunday they weren't obnoxious or anything about it um you know, mm-hmm. like, not saying like, like anything like but like it just seemed like the church or the churches were you know central to the community type of thing at least back in the 80s anyways uh, they still they still are but in a different way like we just use them like community centers now. Like that's where the kids go for karate lessons and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah. I just want to get back to like something you said earlier. Cause uh, so you weren't raised with any faith. No, not at all. Saying, trying to understand, you know, what makes this tick and why it works. Because I'm look I look at it some from another way, you know, who's like I said, you know, I, I believed or I was raised to believe that I stopped believing and, um, but then I see people who are either like you atheist their whole lives or you know, stop believing whatever faith they came from. And then they start gravitating towards the secret, you know, the law of attraction or like, oh yeah, like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is it? Like, why are you doing that? I mean, it's, and now it's the, the, 
the social justice, like the woke or the red pilled, you know, yeah, basically the same thing. They're just idiots shouting out different things, but it's the same mentality. Um, so I mean, I, I kind of look at it like from that, it's like, it's all one dogma, but just different variations of it. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason we're, we're going towards it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. We have in like, after telling you that this town seems very open-minded and all that stuff, that the the thing about here is like all these housewives, there's a lot of money in this town too, right? So there's a lot of housewives that I have no understanding of this, but they just, you know, that's, they just spend money and sit at home, but (laughs) they, they're all like, like a lot of them, not all of them. There's a lot of really smart people too. I'm not suggesting it's all of them, but that, they're into like the alternative healing, the essential oils, the anti-vax. And it's, yeah, it like I have to bite my tongue so much with that stuff. And I, my even my mom, my mom is like that. And like yesterday I was arguing with her over whether or not it's better for you to eat organic celery or not. <laughs> it's just like... it's difficult. It's really difficult. They are totally just woo. There's a lot of woo here. Yeah. But I mean, that's just it. Like, I I don't know if you, uh, it's kind of like, there was a article that came out in Aereo magazine a little while ago and it it was done by uh, James Lindsay. I I keep referencing it a lot because it's, uh, I really liked the article and it was, but he was looking at it from, uh, cause uh, he was one of the people that did all the, 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 I don't want to call them hoax papers, but they put in all the papers for like, um, there was one about researching dog parks in Portland and, and observing the genitals of like 10,000 dogs. And so they were, <laughs> no, but it, it, they did some really off the wall papers, but they followed the methodology of like gender studies or feminist studies or critical race theory and all that. And they followed the, the, quoted other papers they did it like they did legitimate academic work but Mm -hmm. on really weird topics and so but he did this article on um the religious aspect of and what they're calling grievance studies like they they coined that term grievance studies for all like collectively for all these things and you watch it and you and you you listen to them and and it's it's the same kind of thing like i have a friend who's uh, a big fan of uh, or a big fan like he's a big believer in the law of attraction and, and I just because I wanted to argue with them about it, I watched some of the videos and they they do a lot of the same things. Like if if you have friends who don't believe, cut them out of your life. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, obviously with religion, especially like Islam, you're not even supposed to have friends who are other religions. Right. It's mm-hmm. so it's I don't know. It's it's like this herd mentality. Like it, I don't know if you could figure it out, let me know, because it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Like, because, I don't know, my whole family's kind of, like, always had these issues with food. And it's just everybody has to have the most special diet, you know? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a competition. And whoever has the least amount of things that they can eat is, like, the most special, you know? And it's just, it drives me crazy because I will eat anything you put in front of me. And it drives me absolutely crazy. But honestly, I think... For some people, it's just a, it really is like a way for them to feel like they're different and special in some way for them to, 
to believe these things or follow these things or have like the special knowledge or the insight, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, okay. You want to have the special knowledge and, and feel special. Great. But why yeah. do you have to blab it to everyone? And they could see the same thing. Like, yeah. why do you always talk about atheism? It's like, no, I don't like, yeah. you know, it's just, I mean, okay. I know like, okay, that's, you're doing your blog and stuff like that, but it's not the only thing that you're, you're, you're doing. And it's, it's like, okay, you're promoting atheism. It's like, no, like a lot of the stuff you're doing, I know you talk about science and you put out, you know, rational thought or whatever. It's like, you know, like, like from my end, my, my only take on this is individual freedoms and individual liberties. Yeah. So yeah. Believe whatever you want to believe. You, my fight will be on that. It's not that I have anything against the reason or the science. I think that's all great, but I'm like, okay, for me, it's a bigger principle issue. And I'm like, I want to, I want to take it on from this aspect of any of these things, any of these nonsensical things that, you know, it's like um, any kind of dogma. And it's, um, I, I'm starting to see like more and more of that, like I was focusing a lot on religion for a while and I was just trying to concentrate on some of the woo, but it's, it's all the same nonsense. It's just, yeah. You know, I think with atheism too, like, like for me at least, I don't talk about it in real life, right? Like I don't, yeah sit down with my friends and have a beer and then start blabbing about the fact that I don't believe in God. Right. <laughs> like I don't, I don't do that unless they bring it up, unless they're asking me questions. I never bring it up because it's just, it's a, I mean, you're, you're, you're in Canada, you know, it's a non thing. It's just a topic that doesn't often come up anymore in Canada, you know? I, well, I don't know about the, the East coast, but at least here people don't talk about religion anymore. And it's, it's a non topic. And also like online, my my twitter handle my blog everything like that it's it's very clear that it's about atheism and i'm not pushing it on anybody who doesn't come to my spaces i don't go after them you know yeah. they they come to my spaces and they come and talk to me or they'll read my blog and have a problem with it but i'm not pushing it on people you know like and like the the jehovah's witnesses that come to my door which any minute now they're gonna knock <laughs> But, but, you know, I don't do that. And that's the difference is that when I write, I write for my fellow atheists and other people tend to find it. And that's fine. I'm totally fine with having rational conversations with other people. And, you know, if they want to pick my brain about atheism, then that's fine. But that my blog, my social spaces about atheism are for fellow atheists. They're for the purpose of making them feel less alone. They're for the purpose of me kind of just being like fascinated by people who have believed and left and, and what they've gone through. And, and that's really it. That's all it is. And um, that's, I mean, that's a major difference. Like, you know, my mom will come over with her alternative remedies for everything. And she'll be like, do this, do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't push it on anybody. <laughs> okay. It's just, just a little tangent here. The alternative remedies thing. There's this water called zum zum water and it's uh you can get it near where you do hudge so near the kaba and it's i don't know i can't remember the exact story it was like someone i mean i think it might have been abraham's housemaid when he you know when he you know like ishmael's mother uh when they got lost in the desert and they were thirsty and this spring came up and blah blah, blah that's that's where this water's from right mm -hmm. so it's supposed to have healing properties and stuff but people actually like there there's all kinds of microbes people get uh 
uh, E. coli and they get all kinds of sicknesses from it. It's pretty rude. But anyways, a friend of my folks, <laughs> a friend of my mom's went there, brought it back. She was at my place and I was, it was like, I had to get a kidney removed. It was just before the surgery. I was going for a test and I was supposed to be fasting, but I could drink water. And she's like, here, have some of this before you go in for the test. I was like, okay, whatever, fine. I wasn't going to argue with her. I was just going to drink it. Then she started freaking out because she's like, it might affect the test. I'm like, it's water. And she's like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. It's not water. And I'm like, I'm annoyed and I'm getting frustrated. And she's just going on for about this for about 10 or 15 minutes. Finally, I just grabbed the water from her hand. I said, the magic's not going to affect the test. Just drank it. Water. She's, trying to, she's like afraid that this was going to affect the test somewhere. Or the, or the, and I'm like, well, I thought you wanted it to affect the test. I thought I was supposed to drink it to make me do better or whatever. <laughs> I don't understand it. I, I just, you know what? Also, I think, I think a lot like with, especially with alternative remedies and like health fads, I think that part of it is it's driven by the fear of death, which is similar to religion, right? It's driven by the fear of death and the need to feel like you're in some kind of control over when you die and how you age and all of that stuff and not getting cancer and stuff like that, right? Like that's at least the experience with my family. They want to feel like they are in complete control of all of these things. But the, the thing is, is that like my mom has, um, my mom's one of five siblings and they, they're all, except for one of them, they're all on these health kicks with these alternative remedies and they're sure they've got the clue to how to live a cancer-free life, but all of them have had cancer. <laughs> and it's like, it's not working. Like, just live your life. You only have one, you know? Like, just relax and live your life. And uh, like, they won't wear sunscreen. None of them will wear sunscreen. And my mom has had skin cancer. <laughs> like, oh, put two and two together. I've never had skin cancer and I wear sunscreen every day of my life, even in the winter, so. That's the vitamin C. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk to you talk about a series of articles you did on your blog because I really liked them they were the uh, atheists on death row because mm -hmm. like I'd done some work with the military and you always hear about there's no atheists in foxholes and like, well you know what I met plenty of them you know, we were, mm -hmm. I was in bunkers with people who weren't praying when we were getting shelled and stuff like you know so but yeah no I really liked that series you did on like the atheists in death row because you know if you're a religious you can get the chaplain or someone to come by and you can, you know, at least they can do last rites or something. And I know the, like the, even the atheists will, can talk to the chaplains and they can talk to the people in the, in the prisons. Right. But there is none of that finality there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, like, like, are you doing more in that series? Or are you, are you done with that or what's. No, I, um, I've just been focusing on getting the book written because it's really difficult with, <laughs> with kids and yeah. you know people in the house general people but <laughs> it's really difficult and i've been i've been like wanting to do this for so long so i've just decided i'm just focusing on the book until it's done and then what i want to do is because the the series in the series we met pablo who's on death row in texas and there's a very good case for his actual innocence and I have been in contact with his lawyer and also some people on the side of the, in the family of the victim. And I've been planning to do, hopefully I'm hoping that I can do like a podcast on it. 
So it would be like a true crime podcast where we just go through the case with the evidence and everything like that and maybe maybe make a difference in this guy's life. I don't know. But that would be towards the second half of the year, I think. That's that's not so far off. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I got to get writing. (laughs) Well, I'm more than halfway done the book, so... All right, that's all right. No, because like, like I said, like, like it was just it, like the way you're writing that also because you know people would just assume okay if you're on you know the whole trope like if you're on you know deathbed you're gonna pray for God so I could see a place like death row where wanting to reach out might be some form of comfort. I mean, you don't really have much else. Um, yeah. But yeah. So he doesn't seem to. Like, he has no pull towards religion, and he knows that, like, he, when I've talked to him, he doesn't seem to really push the innocence thing, even though he says he's innocent, he doesn't, like, that's not his primary focus. I don't, I think he's, like, just given up, and he's kind of come to terms with the fact that he's going to be put to death one day. And I mean, that's such a terrible thing to say. I just hate having to say those things, those words, but he, um, he has no pull at all towards religion, despite knowing that there's a very good chance that he's going to be put to death. Okay. Well, anyways, I was just getting a little, little bit of a downer. So maybe, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh I'm going to talk to you about something like, because it was a it was a podcast you'd done with um, with Donovan, and mm-hmm. this is going back a while, uh, so I might have had to refresh myself uh, on it. But you guys were talking a bit about Islam, and mm-hmm. generally I agree with you know you know like I, I hate that thing. Well, I agree with I don't agree with everything you said, but there was a couple of things you brought up where you know again I'm not going to try to put you on the still pod here because this was a few months back, so I don't you know mm-hmm. like obviously I don't you can't remember everything you said or, but you talked about that guy in BC, um, in Burnaby, you know, he killed a girl and he was a refugee and he'd mentioned something about Charlie Hebdo. And like I said, it was just these two little things like, okay, the refugee thing. Um, I had a different take on it and not so much because, okay, he, Oh, see, he killed a girl. He must be ISIS, this and that. Right. My take on that was he's emblemic of why, taking in as many refugees as we did and why Trudeau wants to bring in more, there's an issue with it. Like mm-hmm. You were saying, okay, it doesn't have everything to do with Islam. It might not have anything to do with Islam, and I agree with you there. But you can't just completely discount that. Well, my, my thing with this was you, you took in so many refugees so fast. This guy was just let out on the street. He was living with the general population. Was he getting counseling? Like, I've been in war zones. I haven't seen anything near as bad as what I think this guy saw because he was under ISIS for a few years, right? So he must have saw mm-hmm. some pretty horrific stuff. Was he suffering some PTSD? You know, did he see that girl and whatever reason had an attack, thought she was being, you know, there's a bomb coming or something. He thought he was trying to protect her and ended up killing her. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to make any defense for him. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm saying, but you also have to take into account that there is a fundamentalist mentality, especially if you're living under ISIS. I don't know anything about this guy. I'm not trying to put anything on, but I'm just saying, like, you can't just out of hand discount saying, okay, it had nothing to do with Islam. Because yeah. Because he might have 
had that mentality where, well, she's a coffer. She looks like she's old enough to, have, you know, started, uh, started menstruating. So she's mine. Like he could have had that. I don't know. But I think part, I think the issue that a lot of people weren't talking about was that how are the refugees being treated? Like if we want to bring people in and it's laudable and it's great, they're in a war zone. These people need a place to go. But if we can provide proper services for 15,000, let's bring in 15,000. Let's not bring in 30,000 and half ass it. Like, yeah. like, I think that's, I'm not talking, I'm not saying that the, the death of the girl was a, a thing to just put us aside or anything like that. I'm just thinking that we should not like this shouldn't have been made about whether you let in more refugees or not. It should have been made about the care the refugees are getting. And I don't think, anyone's really talking about that i think that's more of an issue with that case than islam could be like i like i said my it wasn't really a bone of contention but it's just i thought you were a little too and again you know sorry to bring you know, like i don't want to you know like maybe i should have mentioned it to you but it was just like uh it's a few months back so i don't want you know, i'm not asking you to defend i'm just giving a couple little critiques and then the charlie mm-hmm. Hebdo thing i think you said the same thing like oh you can't be 100 percent sure if they did it on it for islam these guys walked in, said we're you know yelled Allahu Akbar and said we're doing this to avenge our prophet. I don't think you have much reason to doubt they were doing it because of Islam. Like, like mm-hmm. I said, it's you know those were those just the two little things. Like there's, I'm finding, and I, I, I'm not kind of putting this on you, but I'm I, I'm finding a lot people are trying to give excuses for this that aren't being asked for. Um, yeah, well, I think with the first guy, I. Like, I know that there's a chance that it had something to do with Islam. I just, I think my point, I can't remember what I said. I'm not trying to, like, have you defend it or anything like that yeah. because I'm not accusing anything. I'm just giving you a couple of little critiques. But and what like I, I think, said, like, my opinion that exists in my head right now is that you just, you can't know. And so you can't for sure blame Islam because, I mean, I've met tons and tons of Muslims who are not in any way violent or have those feelings, right? Like, they, they've been, to a lot of degree, westernized as well, because the, the Muslims that I've met and known have all lived here, right? But the, well, not necessarily, I have done a lot of traveling, but... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's any way to know if it had anything to do with Islam, but I do think it's definitely a possibility for sure. And but with Charlie Hebdo, like I've always felt that that was definitely to do with Islam. And if I said something that made me sound like I didn't think that, I didn't mean it, or it came out wrong <laughs> because I, I wrote a huge long article about it too. It's absolutely, it was absolutely one hundred percent to do with Islam, and. It's, I wrote, one time I wrote a blog post, it was a letter to, you remember the shootings in Garland, Texas over, yeah, so I wrote um, a letter, an open letter to the mothers of the shooters, and I, I mean, I wrote that I'm just really sorry that someone wasn't there loud enough there wasn't an atheist loud enough to shake their faith before they went and did something like that because i'm sure that deep down inside they were decent people who thought they were doing the right thing right like they were convinced that they were doing something that was good for god and if you shake that just a little bit like nobody's saying take their faith away but if you shake that just a little bit they're not willing to kill for it right and 
I don't know. Again, like like I said, I sorry, I I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot or anything. It's just like I said, I no, it's okay, it's it, okay. It was, just, it was just a great, but yeah, I mean, but I see it a lot, especially more and more. You have like, and and it's causing like too much backlash. It's causing, it's always, you know, nothing to do with Islam. And I mean, like the t- two examples that you can give recently were the Christchurch shooting, and then you know the the shooting in Sri Lanka on um, on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, right after the Christchurch shooting, I had friends of mine who were putting up things like whiteness. All white people are responsible for all white supremacy. It's the you know even if you're not racist or you think you're not racist, you are in some way responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, if you're gonna do that, are you gonna put up something that says the the this, the shooting in Sri Lanka was dependent on Muslimness? So all Muslim people are responsible for that. Like you know, the people who say that, I don't want any issue. I, I don't want to deal with because they're you know they're just wrong. And then the people who say you know it has nothing to do with Islam or whatever, like if, if you had said that guy had nothing to do with you know white supremacy or whatever, like no, there 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 there's issues here, right? Like. And so I find that a lot and I'm, you know, I know people who are like now, like, well, with Trump in, I don't want to speak out against Islam because look what Trump's doing. It's like, why are you letting these people dictate what you decide is right and wrong? And that, that's my take on like, like those kind of issues. Like if it's wrong, it's wrong. Let's, let's call mm-hmm. it out. Um, you know, it's, and like that, that's it just maybe I'm hypersensitive to that because I see it a lot, but I don't know. I no, I totally agree with you. And it's like I coming from like as an activist that likes to raise awareness for wrongful convictions and I'm very against the death penalty as you probably have been made aware. But um like it drives me crazy when other people aren't as pissed off about this shit as I am, right? Like but then I have to to talk to myself. I have to like reason with myself and be like you know they have other things they have other things that that are pressing in their lives and stuff like that and it's not it hasn't affected them and you can't expect every person on earth to care about these same issues that you care about and i think that that's kind of people don't know how to reason with themselves and tell themselves like i think that a lot of the woke people you know i think that they're they look at white people as a whole and they don't see enough of us fighting to change things and and so they they just want to blame all of us and it's just you can't do that you can't do that you have to continue to try to raise awareness and you have to continue to try and get people to care but you have to be prepared for the fact that some people just have other things that they care about because everybody's different and not everybody's affected by the same things, right? And like pr- prison issues is is the a really good example because nobody gives a fuck until someone they know goes to prison, right? Nobody cares. I have tried to get people to care. My prison my post about prison issues and wrongful convictions and the death penalty and all that stuff, these are my least clicked on posts. My least commented on post, my least shared post, my least tweeted post. Nobody cares until someone they love or care about goes to prison. And then all of a sudden they're, oh, 
you know, this is a problem, right? And so I think that that's the reasoning that a lot of these people are missing, you know, that not, not everybody is going to cling to the same issues that you do and you can't expect them to. And I think that that's part of the reason why some of the crazy abortion bills have been passing in the States too, is because it's just the people who are voting and the people who are, who are able to make change there just don't care about it because it doesn't affect them yet. But when it does, that's when they're going to be pissed off. Right. Um, but I think that, that like people who blame all white people are unable to see that some of us, you know, just have other things that we care about. And, and it's not that we don't care about that stuff. It's just that that's not the top thing on our list, you know, and there are other issues that are just as important and just as serious and that some of us focus on, but I don't know. That's just my take. Yeah, no, but okay. Like the, the whiteness thing, it just, that bugs me because I'm getting really pissed off at the anti-racists. Um, yeah. Like basically the message I'm getting from them is I'm feeble and I'm weak and I need someone to protect me from the evil white people. And it's, you know, usually a good white person, right? Who's, who's freaking out about whiteness and shit. And it's like, no, <laughs> it, wait, but that's what I mean. It's, 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 you know, like this allyship stuff, like, Oh, you know, you're, you're an ally, give up your position for a person of color and uh, like, fuck off. I yeah. want the job because I'm the most qualified. I want to get yeah. the promotion because I'm most qualified. I don't want someone snickering behind my back if I make a mistake saying, see, he was only hired because he's brown. Like, I don't want yeah. that shit. Yeah. I want, and I understand, like, you know, when the civil rights movement and all that was going on and you did, like, some of the affirmative action stuff, but it doesn't do anyone any good. Like, if you're purposely letting in people into universities who you know aren't going to make it, you're hurting them, mm -hmm. you're hurting your university, and you're creating animosity. So, like, let's say, you know, okay, we need to let in, you know, they've said, they set a quota. Take the people who, okay, if we up their SAT scores, they would get in. Take those people and say, you know what? For the first year, instead of doing four years for your bachelor's, you're going to do five. But the first year, you're going to go to a community college, and you're going to take, you know, these courses that will prep you for the program you want to get into. Save a space get them caught up to speed. They're not like losing an education or anything like that. It's taken them a year longer, but you're actually fixing a problem saying, okay, you know what? You wouldn't have made it if you weren't that identity. We're going to put you in. It's like this, this treating me like I'm a little kid treating me like I, I, I can't cope without their help. And then this thing that's, you know, only white people can be racist. Like racism is prejudice plus power. Like fuck off, you know? Mm -hmm. to be racist to be bigoted to be prejudicial is part of being human you we yeah. all do it to one extent or another so you're telling me that i'm lesser than human or something like i, I because i can't be racist like I, I i don't accept that crap and yeah. i don't think anyone should i agree i totally agree i've said that before with with islam because you've probably experienced this too when you're on social spaces or whatever and you're talking and you, you you know you can criticize christianity until you're blue in the face but 
as soon as you start criticizing Islam, it people start freaking out. You know, they they they'll and it's always white people. They're always replying, saying, "Yeah, but Christianity too. Yeah, but Christianity too." I'm like, "Have you been paying attention? I know Christianity too. That's all I talk about. This is just one fucking comment about Islam. Like, I know Christianity too, but they they just can't let you." It's it's like it's as though they're saying Christians can handle it because they're predominantly white. They can cope with being criticized. But these people are special, you know, and they can't cope with with and we have to protect them. You know, that's what they're saying is that that people who fall under Islam are more delicate than people who fall under Christianity. Yeah, I mean, okay, like I I was jokingly i call that benevolent bigotry but i also said like they can't see the victims for the brown people mm-hmm. you know, it's, just... it's it, that is exactly it they just they think that they they it's it's like white knighting but for for races you know <laughs> yeah, I, I, but no but it's like look i'm not saying there isn't racism um i think i mentioned this to you before uh i was and this is one of like the 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 people calling me a packy or whatever didn't bother me anymore. I was about 14 or 15. I was taking public transit in Montreal on the seat back in front of me on the bus. It was written like someone wrote white power, black caca. And the only word they spelled correctly was caca. So, <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. From that point yeah. on, like people calling me stupid names, I can deal with it. I understand where it's coming from and whatever. It's just, but like these anti-racist people who are so racist and it's like, you know, they come at you smiling and it's like, you know, like, like the, the, if you go back to religion, it's like the devil will come at you with a smile and, you know, a pleasant look. Right. And it's exactly what it is. They're just like, I'm like, no, you guys are such racists. Like it's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't. What was it that sound calls it? The racism of lower expectations. Yeah, That's that exactly was actually, it, um, um, it was George W. Bush's speechwriter. Oh, really? Yeah. And, he, and George W. Bush popularized that that term as the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. is that it's the, not it's soft like... bigotry. It, it's full on bigotry. Don't call it soft bigotry because it is, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I find that more offensive. I find it more offensive when someone tells me, that, oh, you know what? We have to come fix your problems. That's pretty offensive on its own. But then they tell me, we have to come fix your problems because we were we caused your problems because you were you were perfectly with good without us and you were too facile to cause your own problems. You know, you the noble savage thing. I, I find that far more offensive than someone calling me a packy or a raghead or whatever. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, that's just ignorance and that's stupidity. Like but the other thing, it's like, Oh, we're, you know, there's so much condescension in that. And there's so much, you know, telling you that you are so much lesser than everyone else and that you need this help. Like, honestly, go fuck yourself. Like, not you, but, you know. Yeah, I know. No, I totally agree with you on that one. It drives me crazy, too. It's like, I don't think that they understand what equality means. Like yeah. equality doesn't mean special treatment. And I feel as a woman, I feel the same way. Like, like there's a lot of things that affect women that I take very seriously. Like these bills that have been passing in the States that bothers me a lot. 
but other stuff like like oh what was it it was something about like representation in the job space or no you know what it was it was game of thrones it was at the end of game of thrones it was like it was like some article about how the women in game of thrones didn't end up so well and it's just like they dominated i don't know if you watched it but the women basically dominated the entire series was about powerful women and and like every single with the exception of Jon Snow every single main character and Tyrion every single main character was a, a woman and sh- and they were all the ones in control like they even could, ended up controlling Jon Snow right like it it was all about women and because it didn't end with them in that position of power it's like now you're going to be upset about that that's that's different from equality that's you want more than men and and it doesn't make any sense to me it's for me i i love men i love the men in my life i like having men as friends and stuff like that i'm raising a boy and i don't want like i don't want more than they have i just want to be the, the same is all yeah but that's just it like equality under the law right you know and granted, there there are there are still issues, and there's still stuff that, you know, like you're talking about, like the the abortion laws that they were just doing in the states, whatever. But you have to grant that equality under the law, and for the most part, in Western liberal democracies, you know, we're pretty damn close to it. You know, like I mean, yeah. there might be things that I'm I don't I'm not aware of because you know it's it doesn't affect me. And okay, fine, I'm being a little assholeish I guess but you know, it doesn't affect me so I don't care but you know but you know like but there is you know there is real you know like what's going on in Iran right now like let's just take that for example like the white Wednesdays and stuff and I'm you know it doesn't mean that if there's sexual harassment going on or you know you're being sexually harassed that you don't speak up about it because obviously that's an issue for you but you can't compare the, the misogyny of an air conditioner being on too high as opposed to women getting lashed for not wearing the hijab. I mean, there's yeah. got to be some proportion here or something. like. Yeah. it's. I think it just, it all comes down to this need to be the special one. It's the same thing with the, the special diets that my family have. You know, it's, it's the need to be, it's the, the victim like different levels of victimhood, you know, like everybody's got to have got to be a bigger victim than everybody else. And it that drives me crazy because as someone who is, I've, I've been through two violent crimes and I hate calling myself a victim, even though technically in the eyes of the law, that's what I am twice. And I, I hate it. Like that makes me feel disgusting to have that word anywhere near me because I don't feel like a victim in any way, shape or form. And for people to like be like, okay, the air conditioning is on too much. And so I'm being victimized. It makes me so mad, like so mad. I just I can't stand it. Yeah, but it's again, living up North um, and you know, I was living in an Inuit community. There's a lot of problems up there and there, there's a lot of issues. Um, there is no one smoking gun. There's plenty of things that have gone on wrong. But then I, I, you know, I had friends who were working up there and they're working in social work or for the, the health department. 
and they're they're all coming at it from different angles. None of them talk to each other, but the majority of the ones who were doing it were you know fresh out of school or a little bit older than that, and it was just all the time it was about how oh my god you're victims oh my god you're victims it's like these people are incredibly resilient and incredibly strong like look at where they live you know there wasn't proper <laughs> yeah. housing until the 50s these people were like honestly up until the 50s and stuff they were still kind of semi-nomadic and like yeah. they survive in one of the harshest climates in the world they're they're strong resilient people show them how to get overcome these things don't perpetually tell them that they've been victimized and that they need help because they the only help they need is how to go about making themselves better and working within the system that's there now not just this perpetual oh poor you poor you poor you and i'm not like again you know people are like how can you be so callous that yes plenty of stuff that went wrong i mean i can give you a list off the top of my head you know and there is like forced migration from one community to further up north where they didn't know how to live there because it was too far north from where they were used to. So it was like mass starvation. And the Canadian government did it so you could keep, you know, oh, we, we needed people near the Arctic. Like, you know, shit like that. But then the people who are saying you're victims, they'll complain about, you know, um, cultural appropriation. That's how they're being made victims. It's like, no, they were being made victims because of something like that. And it's just like you said, they, they minimalize the term they actually take away from real harm and they're not doing anyone any good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, exactly how I feel about it. Because as someone who has been through these crimes, like that is what being a victim feels like, right? Like you have these people who are complaining about air conditioning and stuff like that, or people looking at you funny or whatever. You're not being victimized. Okay. You're not fucking being victimized in that situation. And I, I don't have any, I don't know, like some people might think that I'm a little bit cold sometimes when it comes to like little things going wrong and stuff like that, but I'm a suck it up type of person, like just fucking suck it up and get over it. Like life is too short to dwell on the little things and there's always going to be little things and you're never going to eliminate them, you know? You're never going to eliminate assholes. You're never going to eliminate people who treat you in a way that you aren't perfectly comfortable with and you have to cope you have to find a way to cope and i i just it's not it doesn't make you a victim it doesn't make you a victim yeah, well, it's, it's like when i used to work in overseas so especially afghanistan um i'd come back you know on on leave and i'd, I'd sit with my friends and they're, and they're like sitting there you know and typical things i'm, I'm complaining about now that I would have laughed at before. It's like, oh, my server didn't come on at work. I couldn't do this. It was such a rough day. It's like, asshole. It was like minus 18 in Kabul the other night. And I had to wake up in the middle of the night to go take a pee. So I have to put on my boots and my coat and my jacket because it's in another <laughs> tent. I'm like, fuck you, your server was now. <laughs> or like, yeah. it's like, six, like there was one week in Kandahar where midday it got to about 60 degrees. And uh, like that Celsius, right? Like, and I was just like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, it was in the summer. It was nuts. I mean, we had to work we had to shut the servers down during the day because they just couldn't cope. It was too hot with like pretty much work after sundown. Uh, it was, it was, but yeah, like, I mean like, you know, but now yeah, and I'm back and it's like, I get pissed off when they don't have the flavor ice cream I want in the store. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had a similar experience when I was, it was when I was 15. My parents took me to Thailand and we went to, 
Bangkok and we went to this um, night market, which happened to be in Pat Pong, which was the red night, red light district. And like, that was the most changing moment in my life because I was walking down the street and I saw girls who were younger than me that were sex workers. And, and like, you just like, you look at them and they're younger than you. And it's just jar. It is completely fucking jarring when you're 15 years old and a girl and you see girls who are younger than you and you know what they're doing out there and you like make eye contact with them and they like just, they hate you, right? They hate you immediately because they know that you don't have to go and fuck anybody tonight. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really awful, but it, you come home with a more grounded sense of, your own privilege because and and the fact that you shouldn't just you know don't complain about the little things just leave them alone because those those girls would would pay anything to be able to complain about these little things you know and it just it it gives you a real sense of reality and but just i honestly i think that part of the problem today is just that so many people so many of the generation that came after mine were raised so just sheltered, you know, and I call them the hand sanitizer generation where you can't touch a germ and you, oh. you, you know, they, they, they pulled out all our fun playgrounds from when I was a kid and replaced them with things that they just sit there and don't do anything. Yep. Just, <laughs> They're supposed to have fun there. Have you read, um, the book by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff, The Coddling of the American Mind? No. Okay, I, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. They talk a lot about this. It's just, um, they, they break it off, I think, people who were born um, after 85 and people who were born before. And then even out, like when you go after 85, it, it also starts going, uh, when the, 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 like the woke thing really broke out on the universities, like, they also break it down on when people start a university, but it's like the helicopter parenting, the, you know, you always have to be around. There's always an adult. Kids aren't left to figure things out on their own. Um, I, I noticed that in my nephew, smart kid, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, he does really well in school, but he can't figure out simple problems in front of him. Like I was, uh, him, like my sister was down with him and it was near his birthday, so I was taking him to Toys R Us to buy something. There was a Walmart right next door. My sister's like, meet me in the Walmart. So we go into Toys R Us, you know, get something for him. We go to the Walmart, and he sees his mom. And, but there's like pallets of bottles of Coke between him and my sister. So instead of going around and working it out, I don't know, maybe he was excited or whatever, but I mean, the kid's 12, so he should have been able to have some. But he goes running towards the pallets of Coke like he's going to go through them. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what and and like he couldn't figure it out. I'm like, no, just go around. And it's like, like you know, I'm not trying to be disparage my nephew or anything. Like I said, he's a smart kid, whatever. But he doesn't know how to cope for things himself. Like, it was always supervised. There is no nothing left unsupervised. Yeah, I just I cannot, I can't parent that way because, like he, I I know that the more trust I give my son. And the more responsibility I give my son, the better he feels about himself. And like, 
the, the number one thing for me with him is I just want him to be happy. You know, like I don't need him to be the best at school. I don't need him to be the best baseball player. I don't need any of that shit. I just want him to be happy. And pe- there's so many kids today that are like my stepdaughter went to this youth group in town for a little while. And now my dad sits on the board. It's like a nonprofit organization. And it's like a trend with the teenagers in this in this group where they're bragging about how much depression they have and how much anxiety they have, right? And if you go on, like, Facebook, and if you have any teenage girls as friends, which I do because I have a teenage stepdaughter, and if you have any teenage girls as friends on your Facebook, it's just meme after meme after meme about their depression and their anxiety. And it's, like, a trend. It's not even... They're not even considering it as a real thing. It's just this trend, like who can be the most depressed and who can be the most anxious. And like, I just don't want my son anywhere near that shit because it's bullshit. And, you know, it's, I think that more and more kids are getting anxiety and becoming depressed because they don't know how to cope with the real world because they've never been allowed to, to, meet the real world head on on their own and make their own decisions and decide how they are going to deal with this situation. And so that's, I mean, we give our kids so much freedom. We live in a small town. Granted, it's easier to do that here. It's safer, but it's like, we give them so much freedom. We barely ever see my stepdaughter now, which is fine considering where she came from. She was extremely depressed and for real and, and she had real anxiety to the point where she wasn't getting out of bed for months at a time. And now she's out all the time with her friends. So we're not complaining, but she, you know, we give them so much freedom because that's how kids learn to kind of interact in the real world and solve problems as they come to you. And, and that's how they feel good about themselves, too. That's how you avoid getting depressed and anxious and stuff like that is by feeling like you can handle shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I, okay, I grew up in the 70s. So, you know, we leave in the morning, like on weekends, right? We leave in the morning. And unless, like, all the kids are going to come back to my place for lunch, I wouldn't see my parents again until the lights went, you know, lights went out, come home for dinner. Yeah. That was it. And I, everyone was like that. We go to one kid's house for lunch. You know, so that, that mom that, that day would make like whatever, like bologna sandwiches or something. And then we'd all go out again. Like, and yeah, if we got into an argument, we figured it out. We, there's a, there's a movement now, like I'm following it on Twitter. Not, I don't have kids or anything, but it just, cause I, I like this idea. It's a uh, free range kids. Yeah. It's been around for a while. It was yeah. actually a book and it's a really good book. And it'd be like. Yeah, like you said, give them a little bit of responsibility. Obviously, you're not going to say, yeah, go rebuild this engine, you know, like you're not going to, yeah. or you're not going to give a six-year-old a chainsaw, but. Yeah, um, don't, give... don't drop them off in the middle of a seedy neighborhood, you, <laughs> yeah, know? Like, I mean, you know. Not, not unless they have a gun anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you can let them play in the park across the street from your house. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I keep. I fucking hate that. play date. Like, I hate play date. Yeah. I hate the term play date. Like you don't, I didn't have playdates when I was a kid. I just left my house and my kids, my friends were there. Exactly. Or you go to the park and you make new friends and it's just like, that was it. But I mean, that's, that, you know, I keep hearing stories about, oh, mother, you're arrested for, you know, was investigated because there was one exactly like that. 
Park was across the street from her house. Kids went to play in there. Someone called Child Protective Services and they were investigated because were they did they have a fit home to take care of these children? And the kids were like 11 and 12. Holy crap. And I'm like, what, 11 and 12? They can't go across the street to play in the park by themselves? You know, like, obviously you're not going to let a three-year-old go do that, but, you know, 11 or 12, I think that's... Like, can't you start babysitting, like, around 12 or 13? Yeah. That would never happen here, though, because we thankfully have a pretty healthy population of, you know, farmers and dudes who work on the oil fields, and they would not have that shit. No. They'd be like, oh, you're... You're working the farm. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, like, I think, like, you know, small towns, obviously, that's a big advantage um, where kids can be kids. And I, I, like, I've never really looked at it from the depression or the anxiety point of view. I, I know um, in the book, they're the coddling the American mind. They, they talk about that, but like, I've never, but just to me, it's like, it's not fun. Like, like, you know, you're talking about play dates or whatever. Like, I, it's like organized fun. It's like, no, go out in the middle of the park and throw mud at each other and do whatever. Like, you know, like have fun, yeah. be kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have, we just got a new skate park built in town. And so my son just goes there every day and we got him a phone in case he needs anything, just a cheap, cheap phone. And so he goes there every day with his gang of friends and they go buy Slurpees at the Seven Eleven, and and he's out until, like seven thirty, and and then you know on the weekends it's the same thing gone all day and it's there's never been a problem and he's happy and he falls asleep which you know if you're like when we first moved here and we didn't know anybody and you had to kind of make play dates in order for him to play with anybody he would never sleep because he wasn't getting enough stimulation you know and now he's just out all day long and he comes home and he's like, I, he actually falls asleep on the couch, which he has never done before. He's really into star Trek right now, which I love. <laughs> and so he, we've been watching star Trek and he falls asleep on the couch and he has never done this before. Like he's a child who has never needed very much sleep. And it's just awesome. He, he's exhausting himself and he's happy and he's got so many friends and, I don't understand people who just like hover over their kids because you're hurting them. You're genuinely hurting them when you do that. Yeah. My, my cousin, if she hears this, probably won't, but if she does hear it, she'll freak out. I mean, she has like her kids play outside in the backyard. And before they come in, she cleans the underside of their shoes and they come in and then there she gets them to change into another set of shoes or slippers to come into the house. I mean, it's, it's, it's like so sanitized. It's so nutty. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're, you're ruining all the fun. Like, come on. I am a clean freak, but I had to, like, that was like one of the hardest adjustments to having a kid was coming to the realization that my house is never going to be clean again. <laughs> like, Never. <laughs> excuse me um staying on the thing with kids like i just curious do you find it hard uh i mean i don't like the term like raising your kid atheist or whatever because there's nothing really to do you just don't force any religion on them but i mean do you find it hard when they come back from school and they have questions or if their friends are religious or anything like that or like do they wonder about why don't we go to 
some building once a week or anything like that or no we just there's no there's really no religious people here at least none that talk about it so outside of the jehovah's witnesses (laughs) (laughs) but there's he's never i don't think he's ever met people who have talked to him about their religion but we talk about it because he like he knows what i do and He's asked me lots of questions about it before. He'll see like some of the stuff that I have around books and stuff like that. And um, and my screensaver on my, I have dual monitors here and my screensaver is all the memes of quotes that I've made. <laughs> it all just kind of float around. <laughs> so he reads them and he asks me about them. And we have really good conversations. And then of course, watching Star Trek, we have conversations like that all the time now because Star Trek is fucking amazing. But he um yeah he gets it i don't find it hard at all he gets it i just tell him like people believe this stuff i have never felt a reason to believe it myself because there's no evidence there's no well there's just no reason to there's no good reason to believe it and if you want to that's totally up to you and he He has kind of the same reaction I did when I was a kid. When I was around religious people or if I heard about religious stuff, it was just, it was really weird. Like, that's just how it felt to me. It was like, oh my God, this is so weird right now. (laughs) I have to get out of here. You know, if people started praying in front of me, I was like, just, I would get so tense. It was just so weird. It was like, it's like if you were in the presence of someone who's completely insane and in in the wild throes of an attack, you know, it's just like losing their mind. That's how I felt. I just felt like this this is not a safe place for me and I have to get out of here. But I think that's kind of how he feels about religious stuff too. He just make it feels really strange to him. And I think that that's something that is, similar amongst many people who are raised without religion is that it's just very weird like really off-puttingly weird <laughs> okay look i was raised with it and yeah it, it, it's it's bizarre i mean you know come on like, like mm-hmm. I, I mean there's so much to make fun of but like okay i the one thing i kind of harp on a bit is the the night journey right so muhammad went to the moon at night he flew on the burak which supposed to be like a, a donkey with a human face and wings and whatever. But I always joke, I'm like, okay, he went from Mecca to Jerusalem. Then he had to go from Jerusalem to heaven. So there was no direct Burak from Mecca to heaven. So you had to take a connecting one in Jerusalem. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's just it. Like, like, why couldn't it go straight? Or the whole, you have to face Mecca to pray, right? And it's almost always facing east. But I was like, okay, well, if you're in India, shouldn't you face west because it's closer westerly? And I said, even if you're in Canada, you can still face west. I mean, technically, it's a globe. It's just, you know, you're facing yeah. the same way. <laughs> you're facing towards it. It doesn't matter if it's east or west. Like, it just... None of it makes sense. <laughs> no. Well, like, my favorite is when, like, you'll have, like, uh, uh, what was her? Uh, Katie. Uh, Katie Holmes, when she left Scientology, she's like, oh, it was so crazy. I'm glad I could be back in a normal faith like Catholicism. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> okay, you know, oh, there, there are different 
degrees of nuttiness, but you know, it's Scientology is up there, but Catholicism has got its own fair share. I think the only difference though, between I've been reading a lot about Mormonism lately and it's like, you want to talk about nutty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Holy God. crap. You get your own it's, planet. It's nuttier than squirrel shit. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> they, um, like, I think the difference between Scientology, Mormonism, and then all the older religions is just that. That Scientology and Mormonism, we know the origins. We know, like, we were there. Like, people who are alive today were alive when those, those well, not Mormonism, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> Scientology. And, like, it's more recent, and we can actually trace everything back to like these single events and these single people and what happened and we have records that show like you know that that joseph smith was in prison for seer stones for like taking people's money and then he went he as soon as he got out of prison he used those same seer stones to start the mormon religion and nobody's like hello yeah uh well you should if you're looking to mormonism look into uh the Ahmadiyya community in Islam and they started in the 1800s as well and the guy who started up said okay Muhammad was the last prophet who bought the law but then there will be other prophets who've come there there have been other prophets who've come since and I'm the latest one of these to reinterpret the law right so in Pakistan they can't hold public office uh, you know they're not considered real Muslims their mosques get burnt down this and that but he was another guy who he wasn't quite a as much of a huckster as as uh, Smith, but he, you know, he's got his own stuff. Like you know, he they basically had their own city. He was collecting money from them. You know, like he it was very cultish, like too. But so it was it was kind of like a Mormonism of Islam. But then they also did um, they would send missionaries out. You know, uh, a friend of mine, his father was an Ahmadi missionary who came to Canada from Pakistan, which, you know, you normally you think it would go like the other way around, but nope, sent yeah. over here and to, to spread the good word of Ahmadi Muslims. So yeah, it's, if you like I said, if you're looking to Morganism, take a look into that. It's kind of interesting. There's a guy on Twitter, uh, Reason on Faith, uh-huh. and he he's uh, Ahmadi, but, or ex-Ahmadi, and he just recently put out a video about why it's like, he did a really good job. It's about 45 minutes to an hour long why he left Islam, all his reasoning behind it. He talks a bit about the Ahmadi faith. Um, it's really interesting. Like I said, if you're into that, like it'd be a good stepping stone. Like, I want to get your opinion on something here because I've, I think I, I'm in the minority here of the way I'm thinking about it. It's And it's this law in Quebec. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, I don't know if it's 21 or 26. But anyways, a lot of people are calling it the anti-hijab law, but what it is... No public servant can wear a religious symbol. And I'm opposed to it, not because I want to, you know, I want to spread religion or anything, but I'm opposed to it on a first principles point of view. Um, A lot of my friends who are opposed to it, like, oh my God, this is so racist. It's it's because you're banning the hijab. And the people who are for, for it are also arguing for it on the basis of the hijab. And they're saying this has everything to do with secularism. And they use a French term called laïcité. Laïcité is a little bit firmer than uh, secularism. Laïcité goes as even as far as to say the government cannot pass a religion, pass a law on how people practice their faith. Like it's even more of a separation. Like not only do you want 
do not want religion coming into politics. You do not want politics meddling with religion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And in my view, like it, it goes against these. Like I'm just wondering, a if you'd heard about it or what your thoughts on that law were. I think I've heard little bits and pieces of it, uh, but I don't know the full. Like I don't know exactly what it is. But as far as banning government workers from wearing religious symbols, I would be against that too because. Like, I get you not wanting to have religion and politics, but but these are people, you know, who are just kind of serving roles in the politics. It's not, they're not bringing the religious symbol for the purpose of the politics. They're just wearing it as a personal expression. And I, I don't have a problem with people doing that in any way. The only time I ever really feel concerned about that stuff is when it's, I don't know what it's called when they cover their whole face. The niqab. Well, you have the yeah. niqab and the burqa. The burqa is like the little yeah. mesh thing. The niqab is with yeah. the slits. Okay. Yeah, I always get confused with all of those yeah. words. Okay. Um, but that I have a problem with because I think that you should be able to see the person's face. Um, I I just think that, like, you're not allowed to walk into a bank with a... Uh, like a motorcycle helmet. Whatever they call with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to take any face coverings off for safety reasons and security reasons. And I don't think that anybody should be exempt from that because that's playing favorites, right? That's giving one religion more over the others. But as far as people wearing that to work, as long as it's not covering their face, I don't have a problem with that at all. See, that, that that's, that's my basic stance. It's like, okay, we have first principles and one of the, and the most foundational one is the freedom of expression and you know, the freedom to practice your religion. And that's my take on this. This is government telling you how to practice your, your faith. But it's taking it one step further. I'm, I'm like, okay, this is also kind of in a way stepping on the, the principle of innocent until proven guilty because you're saying by the fact that this person's wearing their, their thing, they're going to make other people uncomfortable or they might not be able to do their job. Or like you said, they're pushing a religion. You mm-hmm. don't know anything about this person except for they're wearing a hijab or a yarmulke or a Star of David or a crucifix or a Sikh turban or whatever. And based on that, you're prejudging them. Like, you're being prejudicial and you're being bigoted. I'm not talking about racism because it's against brown people or anything like that. I'm talking about this principle that you're just, based on some physical characteristic, granted it's a piece of clothing or jewelry or whatever, you're putting all this stuff on people and you have no right to. You're presuming their guilt. I mean, if they turn out to be like that Kim Davis in the States, fire their ass. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand this push... Uh, I've been starting to call these things overcorrections. I don't understand this push to be illiberal saying you want to promote liberal values. And it just, it's, it's like, um, and again, this is something I take some flack for. It's, it's the people burning the Quran in, in Iran. I, I get their fight. I respect their fight. I respect the amount of bravery it takes to film yourself in Iran, burning a Quran saying this book has destroyed our country. I hate every idea in this book and then lighting it on fire. I'm like, that, that you know you're gonna get yourself killed but i'm same thing there i'm like you're overcorrecting you're creating your own blasphemy law all you're doing is showing to the mullahs that the way to fight ideas you don't like is to burn them and that the quran is right about that and i i, I just don't understand that yeah yeah no i agree it's especially with like like if someone in a position in politics or in government was pushing their religion on the people they were interacting with 
that's got nothing to do with what they're wearing. It's not going to stop if they suddenly take off like the cross, you know, that they're wearing around their neck or, or any kind of headgear or whatever. It's, it's not going to stop if you take that away. Like that's, that's an action and these are symbols and yeah, I, I don't know. It is absolutely an overcorrection. Well, I had a friend of mine tell me, well, you know, what if, uh, you have some Muslim kids coming in, you know, like refugee kids who are Muslim and they come into a classroom and their teachers are wearing a yarmulke. They've been taught to hate that person. Why should you put the kids through that? I'm like, well, they got to learn yeah, they, if they want to yeah, live they in this learn and B yeah. they've been taught to hate that person. They've been taught to hate gay people. So should no openly gay teachers teach that classroom then? Like yeah. you, if, if that's your criteria, then, yeah. you know, you go with that. I mean, it, it's just, like I said, I, I find this, this push to go in that direction, like it, it comes from everywhere. It's it's like it's cultural re- relativism to some degree too, which is I, I just can't stand that either because there's some things that are just wrong. Like the death penalty in my mind is wrong, and especially for violations that were committed through speech only. You know, like <laughs> the the especially the death penalty, the the executions that are carried out in Saudi Arabia. That is wrong. It is wrong in Saudi Arabia. It's wrong here. It's wrong. You can't just explain that away by saying that's their culture, those are their values, and we have to respect that. No, we fucking don't have to respect that. Like, we don't. And, And, okay, and the people, a lot of the people who tell you you have to respect that culture, will then go protest the South Korean embassy and the Chinese embassy because they don't want people to eat dog. Yeah. Respect your culture. Who are you to tell them what to eat, right? Yeah, or even me because I'm a carnivore. Exactly. (laughs) Respect my culture. (laughs) No, but it's... No, it's it's, it's ludicrous. Um, Right, well, I don't want to take up too, too much of your time. It's been fun talking to you. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or anything coming up? Like, I know you're talking about your book. Like, when can people hopefully expect to get that out? Or I'm hoping sometime in the summer. I'm currently seeing if I can find, um, like, a literary agent or some way to publish it that's not me because it's a lot of work. And I would just rather hand it off to somebody <laughs> to publish it. But if I can't do that, then I will probably release it as a PDF and sell it that way. And it will not be expensive, and I hope that people enjoy it. But um, yeah, hopefully sometime in the summer. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Pray to God. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, if you want to let know pe- where people can find you, um, and I'll put the links in the description as well. Uh, yeah, I'm at patheos.com slash blog slash godless mom, and that's where I post most days and then on twitter it's godless underscore mom all right well thanks a lot and thank you everyone for listening and i'll be back